Welcome to Soul Rising. We're your hosts, Amy and Erin. We're two everyday mediums who are passionate about taking the woo-woo out of spirituality and bringing it down to earth. So put the kettle on, grab a chair, and join us. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 47. Episode 47 of Soul Rising Podcast. Nice to see you. Mm-hmm. It's nice been a while. To see you out there. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been a month. Yeah. For Amy and I, not for you guys. For you guys, we've been, <laughs> we were here just last week <laughs> or just this past week. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So um, this is, uh, we're coming up on our one year anniversary of this podcast. I will find out the exact date, but um, yeah, a year, a year. I think in early November, I want to say. I don't know why, but the 5th keeps coming in my mind. So maybe it was November 5th. We'll have to go back and check. Um, yeah, something around that time of year, which makes sense for me too, because um, I was just sharing that like this time of year, I'm becoming aware of my natural patterns and cycles and that I, I don't, I don't mean like physically. I just mean like in general, like uh, energetically, I seem to be, I seem to come alive in the fall and I seem to be productive and want to create things in the fall. The fall and the winter is like creative time. And then, which might be opposite of most people, right? Because then spring, I start to slow down and the summer, I, I get really quiet, um, which is the very opposite of like what you would think. But for me, it's like, I've been noticing how creative I am and how I just have all this stuff to say and all the stuff to do. And yeah, so it's been good for me so far. That's good. I love I love the fall personally. It's like my favorite time. I like the summer too, but I think I like I feel similarly to you where I feel more I don't know, alive, energetic, energized a little bit. Um, I don't know why that is. Maybe because the energy like collectively is a lot. Maybe other mediums and intuitives feel the same way and maybe everybody collectively is like dimming down a little bit. And so we're like, "Oh, we feel great." You know, I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's funny because I, I've talked to other people about this and it's, it's, yeah, there's people that love fall too. Right. But I don't mean just aesthetically, like, I mean, literally like energetically something changes within me, but it's funny because the, the couple people that I've asked are like, Oh no, like I feel that way about summer. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I don't at all. So I don't know, but it also, it also brings me to mind like that kind of like, um, witchy energy, which makes sense for today. Cause we're going to talk all about witches, but you know, like, the witches love this time. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I wonder if too, if it's that energy that uh, you're picking up on of maybe there's something to do with this time of year um, going into like harvest, kind of how it's harvest season, right? So maybe you're harvesting. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. Um, interesting too. Like I, 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 as I learn about human design, which I know we've talked about on a, on a past episode, but you know, my like unconscious side of the chart, right? There's conscious and unconscious. My unconscious side of the chart is all Libra energy. So it's all like right now. So, and I think that maybe yours is too, because our birthdays are around the same time. So I, that to me, once I learned all of that and all of, you know, the, the gates, which we won't talk about today, but all of those things that are in Libra season, I was like, ah, maybe that's why I come alive because that energy is literally being activated and expressed within me and then my birthday's in January so I've got those two 
parts the fall and the winter. So I, I was I'm curious, maybe it has to do with that too. Yeah, maybe. Could be. I don't know. I, don't know. Could be. I feel the same. Like I just, I, I also, I've always loved December because it's also my birthday, but um, yes. I just like, I don't know. I love the winter. I love cozy season. Me too. Just like, yeah, feels, I love cozy season. Yeah, right? Sweater weather. Yeah. Remember that SNL skit? Yes. Sweater weather. <laughs> Yes. Sweater weather. I, love sweater weather. I don't like sweating weather. That's what I will say. I don't like sweating weather, but I love sweater weather. I would rather be cold. I am definitely that person who would Me rather too. be cold. Yeah. Me too. I'm going to put on a sweater. Yeah. I want to get I like cozy under blanket. I like to breathe cold air. Um, I do. It's just something with, like, even if I'm in a car in the winter, my husband knows better now. He'll turn on the heat really in the winter unless we're, like, he'll turn on the heat and I'll still roll down the window. But if I'm in somebody else's car, like that, maybe like, I don't I feel as comfortable to say like, turn off the flipping heat. Um, I can't stand it. I feel like I can't breathe when the heat's on in the car <laughs> to breathe cold air. In. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Nothing better than being in your warm bed with like loads of blankets on top and the window open a crack and the cold air comes in. <laughs> Yeah, we might get it cold, but I I would agree. I would rather do that than like it's just not. I don't like being sticky, and in Ontario too, guys. Like it's muggy. Okay, it's not like it's nice hot weather. It's muggy. It's not dry heat. It's like moist. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's gross. Um, it, it, I'm, I'm thinking about like when I was a teenager, the boyfriend I had at the time, he he always stuck his pillow like in between the screen and the window. Every day when he got up, he put his pillow in there. And then at night, he'd take it out so it was cold when he went <laughs> You know what? Come to that. That's a good idea. Yeah, good idea. I, it's, it's, in my, it's in my noggin now. It's in my brain. I'm yeah. Gonna, uh... I'm like thinking to myself, this will come so in handy once I go through the change of life. <laughs> And I'm like dying. Uh, speaking of the change of life, I just read a book um, about two weeks ago called The Change. And it was so good, Erin. And I think that you would love it so much. I wish it was down here with me. Um, I will share more information about that maybe to come because I don't have the book with me. But it is so the change. And just to give a brief kind of synopsis, it's about three different women, all in their kind of midlife 40s, moving into 50s time, um, where they go through big changes in their lives. And through that, discover their kind of magical powers and solve murders. In their town. Okay, and I was this so definitely good. at my alley. You're right. This is it's so good. It's so out. good. The change. Okay, yeah. I gotta keep that in mind. Please let me know after the podcast. I'm going to. Yeah, it's it's newish. Yeah, it's newish. Like this year, newish. And funny enough, well, I'm I'm excited because I shared in my story about it one day, and then. I don't know if it was the author or the like her assistant, but whoever it was liked my story, shared it, and then said, "Hey, on this date, um, if you want to join the author and do like we're doing, like it's not like one, but it's like a Q and A kind of thing." Ah! It's on. It's tomorrow. It's tomorrow night. Amy, oh my gosh, it's so cool. Okay, you have to let us know how it goes. But isn't that so fun? So fun. I've never done that before, actually. And, but I'm like, I'll go for this book because I think it's really cool. And I will also say, without giving too much away, there's a little bit of a spiritual mediumship lens to this book too. See, I love that because I feel like 
too often we hear stories of like, you know, 16 going in or like early 20s or like, you know what I mean? 30s finding out their own inner power. And I don't feel like we hear enough stories about older women. Does that make sense? Older women. Yeah. Coming into their power. Because I feel like what a time. Yeah. And all of these women, you know, like without giving too much away, but like almost feel a little bit like discarded or left behind from life, which I know is a commonality with women when we become a certain age and things happen, you know, the kids leave the nest potentially, um, maybe marriages end, maybe, I don't know, whatever happens. Right. Like society has told us like getting old is bad. Yes. And a lot of us will then go, okay, you know, and we, we, we kind of go in, but it's actually the time when I feel like internally we actually grow and expand and become who we've I I totally agree I mean Amy like I I feel like I've shared this with you before like I you know yes I do mediumship and I still love it but I also have this other like work that I'm doing right um but I've always imagined myself as an older like retired woman giving readings like being that weird kooky woman like that's who I feel like that's that's what you do like post retirement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what though? You are with your human design, I can't remember everything about it, but one thing I do remember is about your profile type um is about those kind of three parts of life and that you are um somebody that like in that later phase of life then uses all of the stuff from before and becomes who they always were meant to be like literally like that's your profile type so I can see how you would intuitively know that anyways you're like yeah I'm gonna get all this stuff done just because I need to get it done but then yeah this is who I really want to be I see myself like that too I know that I'm 10 years closer to that than you are like in terms of age (laughs) but I have to like when I imagine my my future self I see a woman with very long long gray hair which I think is one of those things too that women are starting to to do I'm, I'm not suggesting that like every older woman should have long hair but I feel like in the past even talking to my mother or my grandmother sometimes like they have felt that they should cut their hair when they get a certain age because older women just don't have long hair and I'm like says who so I am going to certainly have my hair I want to I'm I'm like you I've always envisioned myself older woman long gray hair hopefully you know um barefoot yeah (laughs) outside in my like garden house (laughs) because I have a greenhouse I don't know why but I have a greenhouse yeah which I'm excited actually to talk as we talk about witches because um I know there's different um kind of areas right of of witchcraft and different um things that people can uh witches that's uh, different areas right that witches can study or identify with like a green witch um, that uses primarily, um, uh, like herbal, right? Like plants, plant-based. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, let's, let's just get right into it. So today, um, I was taking the lead kind of with the, the background research and then we're going to present it and chat about it and share. Now I didn't talk much about the different kinds of witches, which is okay. Cause maybe that's something that you want to talk about or share as we go. For me, I spent a lot of time talking about or learning about the archetype of the witch. Um, so I'll start with the archetype of the witch and the concept that the witch plays into that as well as share some history about witches and witchcraft and a little bit about the religion of Wicca. Yay! 
Yeah. So I'm excited too. Okay. All right. So um, I do have like a little prompter right here with my notes. So if you see my eyes going back and forth, if you're here on YouTube, that's what I'm doing. So the archetype is of the witch is one of the most popular archetypes that we see in fiction. Um, the witch archetype is also often used to de depict a wicked or an evil character who possesses great power and is generally genuinely feared by society. The sage, magician, and earth mother are similar to the witch archetype um, in terms of the young archetype. So Carl Jung, who was a prominent psychologist. Um, so the Jungian, he, he created like a bunch of archetypes that were reflective kind of of the collective unconscious, right? Like, so all of our kind of inside underneath. So the Jungian archetypes of personality were chosen by Carl Jung as the foundation of characters they are the foundation of characters in movies, literature, art, and the lives we live. So essentially like everything, every TV show, every movie, if you really start to learn about the archetypes, you'll see the archetypes in each character, right? There's, there is that pattern in, in everything um, and in life, in our lives as well. It's kind of amazing, actually, when you start learning about archetypes. Uh, they represent the behavioral patterns, cultural symbols, and images of the collective unconscious. I also want to say my source for some of this is N-A-T-A-L-I-E-R dot co. Um, and I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, Young's, un <laughs> yeah, Young's unconscious dis definition. So his definition of what um, the collective unconscious is. It was a term introduced by psychiatrist Carl Jung to represent a form of the unconscious. That's the part of the mind containing memories and impulses of which the individual is not aware. Right. So this is that like subconscious, the, the parts of us that we don't always um, we're not always aware of. Um, they common to mankind as a whole and originating in the inherited structure of the brain. So these, like I said, the inherited behaviors of the collective. Young's theory of the unconscious is often that the collective unconscious is expressed through these 12 archetypes, the which being one of these. I feel like Erin's screen is frozen because I'm going to continue to go on and read and hope that she joins us uh, in one moment. So what I found was really neat. I found this whole archetype, this whole a website about archetypes. Um, again, it was that same website we just talked about, which was www.natelier.ca. Just spelling it out rather than trying to <laughs> pronounce it. Um, and the author has broken down each archetype in a really understandable way. She says that the witch or the magician is constantly growing and changing. Okay, so this is the archetype. They do this for themselves, but also for others. Okay, so the archetype of the witch is always growing and changing personally for themselves, but also helping others to do the same thing. There's, a, there's this feeling of like transformation that comes through with the witch energy and archetype. Um, they are a healer often, although the information that they synthesize for them, although that the, through the, sorry, they are a healer through the information that they synthesize for themselves. Okay. So this would be like um, taking something that's perceived negative and kind of transmuting it into something that would be more positive. 
So it's like this, that's a transformation, right? That synthesis that comes through. They're deeply intuitive and can tend to be negative if they become too absorbed in their regeneration. So that's like, you know, a tale that we all can, um, we can, we can all resonate with. I think when we become too kind of absorbed in the process of that, sometimes maybe we would be too focused on the, um, on the, the negative at times. Right. So the archetype of the witch is one of the most popular archetypes that we would see in, in fiction, really. Um, the witch archetype is often used to depict a wicked or an evil character who possesses great power and is genuine, genuinely, why can't I say it? Generally, it's weird by society, maybe genuinely too, but I was trying to say generally. Um, the same magician and the earth mother archetypes are similar um, to the witch archetype and sometimes can be kind of, uh, you know, combined, but, um, because Jungian didn't have an actual archetype called the witch, but it is like the magician, the sage. It's the same thing with a different, with a different word. Okay. I didn't know that. That's cool. So, um, when I talk about Jung, this was Carl Jung, the prominent psychiatrist that a lot of us would know of. So he, um, he created these, uh, what he called Jungian archetypes and they are archetypes of personality. They're the foundations of the characters in our movies, literature, art, and the lives we live. We see it in everything. If we, if we studied all the archetypes, we'd be able to see them in every movie, every, every play, every, you know, TV show. There's always somebody playing a certain role. Um, so these are, um, the collective unconsciousness is, is essentially, it was a, it was a term coined by Carl Jung to represent the form of unconscious. So that's the part of us that we're not aware of. Um, that is, that contains memories and impulses of which the individual is not aware. Um, and these are all common to humankind as a whole and originate in the inherited structure of the brain. <clears throat> so we just kind of inherit this, um, these archetypes and these understandings of it in our world is like a play that acts it out. Right. I love that too, because I, all the world's yes, a stage. I love it too, because I've heard of so many, like um, I've read before of different people, like the, their last words were like, Oh, it was, it was all a play. It was all a play. Like I've heard that a few times that people have said that. So, um, so his, um, his theory of unconscious is that the collective unconscious is expressed through these 12 archetypes. Okay. Um, I found a really neat art website about archetypes and it, I will spell the website out. It's N-A-T-E-L-I-E-R.co. And this is a website that I refer, that I will refer to, um, as I talk about the archetypes itself, because it's where I found some of the information. So the author has broken down each archetype in a really understandable way. And I, I'm, and I really appreciate it. So if, if you are somebody that's curious and interested in learning about the archetypes, um, maybe in not reading, you know, the Jungian text, which sometimes can be a lot <laughs> wordy, yeah, a little bit of a mouthful, you might want to visit that website, which I will remember to put in the show notes. Um, so she says the witch or the magician is constantly growing and changing. That's part of the central part of the witch um, and the magician archetype. They do this for themselves. So internally, always growing, always changing, very like transformative kind of energy with the witch. They also can do this for others. Um, they are healers. Um, through the information that they synthesize for themselves. So again, with that transformational kind of um, 
essence where they're taking something and they're making it into something else. They're alchemists, right? Um, <clears throat> they are deeply intuitive and can tend to be negative if they become too absorbed in their regeneration. So I found that interesting. I guess that's that little ego piece, right? Like if you're too focused on that, maybe their little ego pops in, you might become a little bit too absorbed. Um, and maybe that's more of the shadow aspect of the witch archetype that we see sometimes where, because, you know, a lot of the stories when we think about the witch started out maybe as a lovely, kind, healer, white witch, and then was hurt and turned into um, more of the, the negative, like, I'm going to hide and, um, you know, be to myself. So maybe that's part of what they meant by that. I personally resonate with the witch very strongly because I spend a lot of time working on changing and improving my mental and physical health um, in order to show up in the world as the best version of myself. Um, so the author of this website, she says, I ultimately hope that through the work that I do on myself, I will be able to help others heal as well. If we can all show up as our best selves, imagine the incredible things we can accomplish. I agree. Ditto. That's something that I feel like we feel quite strongly about. So yeah, yeah, hands up. So the thing that I liked about this website um, also was that she broke it down. She broke things down. So she said the, the motto, the motto of the witch archetype, I can make things happen. The core desire of the witch, understanding the fundament, fundamental laws of the universe, the goal to make dreams come true, uh, the greatest fear, unintended negative consequences, unintended, I like, I want to, unintended, let's focus on that, strategy, develop a vision and live by it, weakness, becoming manipulative, talent, finding win-win situations, the alchemy there. The witch is also known as the magician, the visionary, the catalyst, the inventor, the charismatic leader, the shaman, the healer, and the medicine man or woman. So I love that. I can think about different um, characters and things in which you would see that. Is there like something that comes to mind as I, as I talk about the archetype of the witch for you? Well, I just, I, I love it because when we see like the like it in movies, you know, it always has been this like very like all of a sudden here comes a very powerful woman and that's scary. Like that's the fearful part. Um and even when we look at movies like The Craft, which is a really good one, I think, um you can kind of see how they're trying they're like really kind of coming into you know, this, their like power, this, this confidence piece. And I do think that, that actually that ego part that you just talked about is definitely portrayed in that movie because we see one of the characters, right? She gets so wrapped up in it. Um, and it ultimately causes her own demise. Um, but I, I just, I love the, the idea of the, the witch, because I think the thing that is the fearful part of the witch is that it's a powerful woman. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's like, I, for me, like that, I think is the essence of the powerful woman. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll talk more about that too. Like when we get into the history a little bit and even with Wicca. Um, yeah. Yeah. Me too. I, I agree. So this, the following, um, the following information comes from psychology today. So I just wanted to let you know that um, among the archetypes, the witch is a fascinating, has, has a fascinating future. When someone calls another a witch, we know exactly what they mean. 
The witch has powers. She is uncanny and unholy. She lives outside the borders of civilization and has been ostracized because her ways stand in opposition to accepted values, thus challenging her own impulse to conform. To not conform, especially as a woman, puts us at risk of being called a witch or the rhyming word that begins with a B. <laughs> <laughs> the witch reminds us that they there may well be unnameable and untamable aspects of ourselves where passions stagnate and fester what parts of us don't fit into the conventional idealized feminine it's interesting too right because i feel like you know this kind of speaks to even even like the history of witchcraft and witch trials and things like when somebody is wise and self-governing and has that sovereignty, it can trigger another that doesn't feel safe enough to do that for themselves or doesn't feel like they could do it themselves. And I think you see this too in some dynamics with women. Um, you know, like we've all heard, I remember one of my jobs, I worked at the clothing store and it was just a laughing joke. It's like, oh, you know, you got 15 women in here, what a cat fight. And I was like, but why does it have to be, right? It doesn't have to be. But sometimes that dynamic comes out where one person may have kind of a strong personality and it can trigger. I think it's it's meant to trigger to help facilitate the growth so that the other person can stand in their power too. But I think that sometimes we don't see it for that and we kind of just go, oh, cat fight, right? Like that's just women. And because it's a group of women, it's considered a cat fight. But if a group of men were to get together, they would just be considered, oh, they're just being- right. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I know. Why is it a cat fight if women get together and, you know, have opinions? Right. Um, yeah. So another question that I'm just going to put out there is, do we harbor an urge that wishes to transgress and to cross the borders of our own perceived you know, self. Historically, innocent women have been tortured and killed because the prevailing masculine ruled and feared female sexuality. Did you ever hear about, um, sorry, Amy, just to like, this just made me uh, think about um, when a woman was having hysteria, they would, I think it was, it, you know, it used to be in the, um, like the medical, whatever, the medical dictionary, like way back when, um, forget the time period. <clears throat> but um, when a woman was in hysteria, i.e. maybe she spoke up, maybe she uh, didn't want to have sex maybe right there's like so many things that could have gone on mass hysteria do you know what they would they would do to like <laughs> to help that woman basically use a vibrator and they would like as if that was the right <laughs> like they were like we'll fix this here's your vibrator and, and they but and this was like men doing this like it's, it's there's a lot of um yeah I, when I was reading about witchcraft too, and some of the things that the women went through, a lot of it was very sexually pervasive um, and, and, you know, would be considered rape. It, they, they were stripped down, you know, like why, right? Like to inspect and to check things. And yeah, it's just terrible, terrible, terrible. And these are the things that are still within our collective unconsciousness and still remain, right? I can see it in our world. You know, it's, it's interesting because recently, I don't know, maybe two weeks ago, I made a reel on Instagram that was talking about the witch wound, right? Which is, which is this and how we, you know, how it might show up in the world and how we can kind of work through it by standing in our power and speaking our truth and not hiding. And I didn't mean in the sense of like, 
you know, just witches. I mean, just in people in general, right? Because men also carry the witch wound, right? So it's it's not just it's not just women. And I had this nasty comment come through from a, a man, and he was like, "Why don't you go and get your? Why don't you go get an effing job?" And I responded, "Thank you so much. You've just proven my point. This is the witch wound in action." You are a man. I don't know. You don't know me. You don't follow me. We've never talked before. And you feel you have the authority to tell me because I am speaking my truth and speaking out to tell me off and to try to shame me and make me feel bad about myself. I don't think so. So I'm just like, you just left a comment there. I'm like, everybody, let's do this. Thank you for proving my point. Uh, yeah, good. I was going to say, did you leave the comment there? Because good. You proved my point. But that's the way in which it can show up in our life, in our lifetimes as well. It still is here. There's still been like men, men's groups that are like, there was like this one, I don't know, like story. I think he's like actually kicked out or there's something that happened, but there was a guy from another country. He came to Canada and it was like, basically like how to sleep with women. I can't remember like the details of the story. He was teaching it. And I think, I think there was like a lawsuit or so anyways, but he's not, I don't think he's allowed back here, but, but it's a thing. It happens. There's still like awful anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So the witch archetype in medieval times, let's talk about this first. So this is from the source is knowyourarchetypes.com. Witches were seen as the healers in our societies sought out for their abilities to cure people of their physical and mental ailments. Um, okay. And, and I, I wrote in my notes, draw the connection here between ancient indigenous customs and the way women were treated in Lemuria. We talked about Lemuria last week. The women were the healers. They were revered. They were respected. The men would come to them. Is this a good time to fish? Where should we go? Right. They were the wise women that was, and that's just the way that it has been. This so even when you think about Wicca, which we're going to talk about, um, which was the old religion, the one that predates all the others, um, the women were revered as the healers, right? Um, and so, and you see that also in um, indigenous culture from before as well, shamans and things like that. Um, although I think shaman is a mainly male term now, I think. Mainly? Mainly? I don't know. There's some, there's still female, I'm not saying there's not female shamans, but I just feel like, I don't know what I read. There was something that made me feel like it's often used in a mask. Like maybe it was used as a, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. So you see in medieval times, the witch archetype was revered, respected. You're a healer. I need help. Okay. I'm going to come to you. Um, their so-called magical powers were seen as positive forces for the good of society rather than something to be feared. They were revered for their wisdom, knowledge, and intuition with people seeking them out in times of trouble. They were embraced as valuable and a cherished part of their community rather than shunned. So you think about like indigenous cultures um, um, and, you know, like we're talking like, yes, still some somewhat, but, you know, in the past as well, where the people, the medicine women, the medicine men, the, the shamans, the um, elders that held this kind of wisdom would be taken care of. They would be provided shelter and food and people would take care of them because they were so highly respected. So that's where we started um, with this intuition, intuitive um, kind of ability way back when. They were even acknowledged for their sacredness and abilities in creating and preserving life. So that was respected and revered as well. Um, then... So it says the witch archetype and the natural world. So once things became a little bit more, I don't want to say civilized because it was anything but civilized, but you know what I mean? When things, when 
as we go through time forward. Yeah, so yeah. focus on the natural, the focus was on the natural world and as the source of their knowledge and power, seeking the answers which they needed in order to be able to heal the physical, mental, and spiritual ailments of those around them. However, the change in the way that the witch was viewed came as the world around them turned away from the belief of, in the power of the natural and the spiritual world and towards the patriarchal society that we know today. So we just kind of moved away from it where we then, you know, we lost our connection with the natural world in a way. I think that we still, we're still working on that and turn towards doing, creating, being, yeah, yeah. Patriarchy. At this, as this change took place, the world of the feminine in nature, which was the wit, which the witch represented, came to represent darkness, danger, and evil. Uh, because, right, of course. And because somebody said, okay, we can't, we can't have that anymore. This is what's powerful. So we need to, you know, it's othering, it's alienating. It's, it's what we still see today in people targeting certain groups of people and making them dangerous and other and, you know, and, and they're, they're not, but it's this, it's, you've created this facade. Um, the male rulers of the new modern style of society, patriarchal, feared the power and the sovereignty, which witches displayed over their communities, which they were trying to control. So they led campaigns to demonize them. This would, you know, the famous trials uh, in England and America. And this is when the archetypal witch, um, which we are familiar with, became secured and locked in in the collective unconscious. Um, isn't that interesting? So now the witch in the modern world, the modern witch is a woman in touch with spirits or gods and thus imbued with tremendous power as she represents feminine power. I think we're moving into this when associated with the modern woman. This is often related to their unwillingness to conform to mainstream rules of society, their um, eccentricity, 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 um, or their apparently immoral behavior, which then leads others to label them as a witch leading into the untamed woman. The archetypal witch is also associated with the aspects of a woman which are untamed. I love it too because Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. Um, she is aware of her power to destroy as well as her power to create balance. Balance. Yeah, I love it. Uh, do you want me to keep going? Do you have anything to... Yeah, no. I, I Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting too, right? Like this all makes sense, but uh, it's interesting to see how... It became, it was something, it turned into something because somebody told us, and then it's starting to change back, I think, hopefully. Um, I, I think so, too. I think we saw that, too, especially, like, I mean, I just, for some reason, I feel like in the 90, like, we, we just saw, kind of saw that with the, the craft a little bit, like, yeah. I felt it was showed a little like bit Like Sabrina of the Teenage yeah. Witch. <laughs> that was the 90s. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Yeah, my favorite. I love Sabrina. Yeah. Yeah. It, start, it started almost to become a little bit trendy. Like, I think it was just like reemerging into the unconscious as, hey, let's like question this. Let's work through. Yeah. Let's redefine this. What is this? Um, so the witch archetypes and characteristics and traits. And the archetypal witch is associated with a very clear physical image in the minds of most people. Yes. Um, which they have, which has been perpetuated by their prevalence in film and television culture over the past culture or so, sorry, over the past century. The green face, the warty long nose, the hat, you know, the hag with her long, like, skinny little fingers. Yeah, 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 of, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, what's that movie? Oh, my God. Wizard of Oz. Yes. Yeah. Wizard yeah. of Oz. We see, like, the bad witch, then we yeah. see the good witch. It's funny you mentioned the good witch, too. Like, Glen, Glen, is Glinda or Glenda? I think it's Glinda. 
yeah, so I think it's Glinda. Um, this book that I'm reading that I'll mention in a little bit is called The Book of Shadows by Phyllis Karat. Um, She mentions that, you know, like just how really the good witch is more what witchcraft and what Wicca is all about. It's, uh, you know, when, when she says, you know, you've always had the power, you just had to just had to discover that you did that's, i'm butchering the sentence but you've already ha always had the power you just had to believe that you did yeah that's that's really what what it's all yes, about that's which is very true that's yeah. what it's all about yeah so in such stories where the witch appears they are often usually the antagonist of the story set up in opposition to the protagonist hero so it's that good versus evil often the backstory of the witch is presented and in this they are told to have once been good witches who have turned to the dark side when something traumatic has happened to them such witches are able to cast spells often using tools such as ma a magic wand to do so they are often very ugly in appearance with old and wrinkled skin large noses warts and gray wispy unkept hair their skin is sometimes described as green, gray, or pale in color. It's almost like lifeless when you think about them, right? Um, they often have missing teeth and pointy nails. They are often clothed in back, black outfits. They ride on broomsticks and often possess cauldrons, which they use to brew potions to see the future or to cast spells. They laugh at, their laugh is described as a cackle. I love this because my husband always says I'm a, a cackle and I'm like, are you trying to tell me that I'm a witch? <laughs> what are you, what are you saying? What are you Scott? really saying here? Um, they live in isolation, often in the depths of a forest and often with a black cat as the only source of companionship. <laughs> Where's cat? That's why I love cats, maybe. I've got my guy over here too, so yeah. Witches and their cats. Um, many are described as being able to talk to animals. Speaking of which, I'm over I was over here talking to my cat before we recorded. Yeah, it's true, you were. You were like, Do you need do, any do you need me to like open the back door for the litter box? Are you good? And like just expecting him to answer me, which he did. I know he did. Um, they are all evil. They have evil hearts and they take pleasure in causing mayhem and mischief in the world. Yes, we see that in so many different movies. So many different movies. Um, have you seen the new Hocus Pocus? I did. What'd you think? Wasn't your favorite? I mean, obviously. Not as good as the other. For other's. like nostalgic purposes, not as good as the first one. It was a fun time. Yeah, I liked it. I had fun. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it either. I think too, like sometimes because that came out at such a time, like you know it's nostalgia like childhood nostalgia so i think sometimes you look back and you see things through um like you know rose-colored glasses too like if that movie came out right now we might not be as impressed i, I like I don't, I don't know but and you know what though the same was true with hocus pocus when it first came out it was not popular didn't do well and then it just became it's nostalgia right so it's like maybe the kids today that are that were like that are young now in 20 years are gonna be like oh my god hocus pocus <laughs> Yeah, all these are. It's like that with the. I feel that way with High School Musical a little bit. Oh yeah, does that kind of make sense? I I I listen. I've never like. I've actually never seen High School Musical, so nobody at me. But I I um I just I feel like it was this kind of just came out. Nobody knew how it would do, and then I think like over time it's become more popular, and that's like. I hear a lot of uh, people younger than me talk about high. School. Just some nostalgia, yeah nostalgia yeah or like i'm thinking about like christmas movies and things like that too where i'm like they're like really terrible but like 
they're so good at the same time. Yeah, you can't yeah. help it, right? No, you can't help it. Um, that's the power of memories too, right? Like that's a good memory, but so you got to also think when something's perceived as negative, that that imprints as a memory, right? As a that's the collective unconscious, right? That's what we're carrying through even now. So the history of witches, we're going to get into. This is a source from history.com, and I'm paraphrasing here. So some of these are my words, some of them come from history.com. So the early beliefs on witches were that they were women who practiced witchcraft using magic skill, spells and calling on spirits for help or to bring about positive change. Most witches were thought to be pagans who were doing the devil's work. This belief stemmed from early Christian beliefs in Europe. Most, however, were simply natural healers or so-called wise women whose choice of profession was misunderstood. Yes, 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 yes. One of the earliest historical records of witches in the Bible was in the book of Samuel, um, thought to be written between 931 BC and 721 BC. It tells the story of when King Saul sought the witch of Endor to summon the dead prophet Samuel's spirit, sorry, sorry, to summon the dead prophet Samuel's spirit to help him defeat the army. The witch is said to have roused Samuel, who then prophesied the death of Saul and his sons. And the next day, according to the Bible, Saul's sons died in battle and Saul committed suicide. Other Old Testament ver ver versions condemn witches, such as... Um, Exodus 22:18 which says thou shall not suffer a witch to live. Interestingly enough, I was just on Facebook scrolling through something and I saw an ad for somebody like who was um you know, it was offering like tarot classes or something like that. You know how you can see ads for things like I, you know, join my master class or whatever. And I was reading in the comments. I don't know why I was doing this because I like, you should never read the comments. And I literally saw the comment thou shall not suffer a witch to live. This was like two days ago. Yeah. But you can, you know, what's interesting though? Like, did you see that article or that uh, video of that woman who in the States who really believes that, uh, the Hocus the, Pocus which, movie. yes. Focus are actually casting spells. Like you don't know what's yeah. Save the children. I'm like, I know. I'm just like, okay, no, like let's not in, like, I don't want to bash other people's beliefs. Right. But at the same time, I'm just like, that was a really good example of what we're talking about here today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little bit ridiculous. It was also aired on Fox. So, you know, let's just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> bless. bless them. Yeah. Bless. Um, witch hysteria really took hold in Europe in the mid 1400s. So this is when, you know, the patriarchal is when we moved from seeing witches as healers wise women and all of a sudden yeah we're great. seeing more of like the christ like um, Push. yeah christianity coming in into play right and it's this idea of yeah yeah it came when many accused witches can so this is when many accused witches confessed under torture to a variety of wicked behaviors within a century witch hunts were common and most of the accused were executed by burning at the stake or hanging single women widows and other women on the margins of society were especially targeted I was reading that it was um, the majority of like older women, more older women than young. I mean, obviously we know like the ones we know about, um, like the ones that are documented, think about everything that's not. Well, yeah. 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 But in this book, um, they, I think they were saying like 900,000 estimated um, people, yeah, women. Between 1500 and 1660, up to 80,000 to 90,000 suspected witches were put 
to death in Europe, around 80% were women who were accused to be in cahoots with the devil. Germany has the highest witchcraft witchcraft execution rate, while Ireland had the lowest. Huh. Interesting, right? Um, That is interesting, actually. I don't know how to pronounce this, but the publication of Malleus Malficarum. Have you heard of this book before? Malleus. Okay, it's M-A-L-L-E-U-S-M-A-L-E-F-I-C-A-R-U-M. I am not pronouncing it right, but I've heard of this book. I've seen it written. It. I'll tell you a little bit about it. It was written by two well-respected people in 1468, which is thought to be the catalyst or what spurred the witch mania to begin in the first place. This book title loosely translated to the hammer of witches and was a guide on how to identify, hunt and interrogate witches. This book quickly became the authority for Protestants and Catholics trying to rid witches from their communities for more than a hundred years. The book sold more copies of any other book on earth, except the Bible. Yeah. As witch hysteria decreased in Europe, it increased in America. Reeling from wars, a smallpox epidemic, and the ongoing fear of attacks from Native American Native American tribes, the atmosphere was perfect breeding grounds for finding a scapegoat. The Salem witch trials began when a nine and an eleven year old girl began suffering from fits, body contortions, and uncontrolled screaming. Today, it is believed that they were poisoned by a fungus that caused spasms and delusions. Is this the Bell Witch? I didn't find that, but this was uh, Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and Tituba. Okay. So this was said to be um, the beginning of the Salem witch trials. Um, So mass hysteria ensued, and three women were accused of witchcraft. Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and Tituba. Tituba confessed to being a witch. So she was a slave. Okay. So she uh, confessed to being a witch and began accusing others of using black magic. On June 10th, Bridget Bishop became the first accused witch to be put to death during the Salem witch trials. Ultimately, 150 people were accused, 18 of them put to death. Six men were also convicted and executed. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I just, I think it goes to show like, I, like when there, I, I read Breeding Grounds when I talked about that, I'm like, yes. And right now I feel like there's just so much going on in the world. This is the perfect atmosphere for Breeding Ground for fear as well, right? I think we're, we're seeing that. Well, you can see how quickly it spreads, right? And I mean, granted, like I, 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 without getting too much into it, but we kind of saw that with COVID, right? We saw it during the pandem- pandemic and how quickly fear really spread and um, that how, you know, not to put complete blame on it, but that the media, you know what I mean? I don't think it definitely helped. Um, I absolutely, like we were in a pandemic, there was a disease. I'm not <laughs> denying that, but I think we saw a lot of, of fear with that right too yeah and the media perpetuated it and it's funny you say that because just yesterday i was talking to my mom and she said i mean there's a lot of there's still a lot of that floating around right now it's like it's resurging um and she said she was asking she goes i thought it was dying down and i said no i think it's quite it's like there's a lot it's a lot here right now um and she's like then why are we like still um you know like wearing masks or doing things and i was like well, you can, like, nobody's telling you not to. I said, but the thing is, they're not reporting on that stuff anymore. So everybody's just like, okay, like, right? Like, um, I, I, but that's the power of the media, 
Because if the media was coming down our throats like they were at the beginning, we would all be like, oh, you know, like, but everybody's like, Meh, it's fine because we're not talking about it. No. Yeah, exactly. Doesn't mean it's not there. No, it's definitely, I think it's still going to be here for many years. Many years, but we, we're not as fearful anymore. We're like, okay. Yeah, and we have a, 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 a medicine for it. What is this? Yes. this yeah, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Uh, yes, yeah. So What's the word? Vaccine? Vaccines. Thanks. <laughs> as you were, sorry. You no, know, if you want to choose to do, then you have that option. But I just feel like there's less fear now. And it just, it just, I was just kind of seeing that parallel with the media and how maybe, maybe, cause I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, like levels here in Canada, actually, the numbers were actually lower compared to the following year. Like 2021 was when we had more, but you wouldn't have known that because it was less reported actually. So it, it actually was, there was more to fear, but we didn't feel as fearful because we weren't being inundated with information or the people i think they said too that the people who passed away were automatic like during uh the pandemic were kind of automatically thrown into that pile of people who passed away from covid even though they not they may have not necessarily passed away from that they might have had an, another it, it problem could, yeah you know? it could have been another yeah 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 that's the power of the word and you know things being said and what we choose to believe and yeah that's a whole other thing we don't get into it whole other thing. but yeah it's just an example of how you can see you know hysteria how, i think how fear kind of grows right yeah absolutely um or even you know where there's like um how that sh- divided us as a society in some way and and certain groups were kind of targeted as being the outliers on society right like yeah and then it's like one i'm better than you because you you know you can see how that worked out it's similar this is the witch archetyped in it's just yeah it's like fear fear based fear based yeah so let's go to wicca so witcha witcha it's actually i think witcha um this comes from history.com and i'm fascinated with this now the more i'm learning i'm like whoa i'm super fascinated i've also realized through my little bit of brief education on this this last week that i was also working through a lens of what's the word i'm looking for like there was a level of me also being conditioned to what exactly witchcraft and it's funny because a couple weeks ago somebody said to me i sent somebody a friend something um like a meme or whatever something about witches and then she goes but i wouldn't call you a witch and i was like she goes you're you don't like do black magic and stuff like that and i'm like no i guess not i I guess i guess i'm not a witch and then and then i reflected on that and i go yeah i am a witch right like that's that's the stereotype that's the conditioning of like what exactly is a witch that it's evil Yes. Like, so if somebody was like, you practice witchcraft, I'd be like, no, because I don't conjure, I don't do spells and I don't do things like that. But I'm just like, but I am because I communicate with spirit and because I am empowered and because I know the thought creates, that's a spell in itself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or when you, um, even like they say, like when you, um, blow candles out on a cake that's actually a form of yeah witchcraft yes you're, you're making a wish yeah you're like you know you have a candle you're <laughs> absolutely yeah that's all like that's all spell work like right you know like if you were um 
Like abracadabra. Yeah. It's actually be interesting. I wonder where that... Anyways, another time we could talk about it, but yeah, yeah. Interesting where maybe the birthday, the cake, or like, you know, the candle on the cake, where that came from. Mm-hmm. So, Witcha. History.com. Many modern-day witches in the Western world practice Witcha, which is an official religion in the United States and Canada. Witcha is a modern-day nature-based pagan religion. Wicca is considered a modern interpretation of pre-Christian traditions, although some claim a direct link to the ancient practices. It may be practices by individuals or members of a group. So members of a group are often called covens. Wiccans avoid evil and the appearance of evil at all costs. Their motto is harm none, and they strive to live in a peaceful, tolerant, and balanced life in tune with nature and humanity. This is where the wheels started to go, wait a second. Wait one second. Maybe this is me. The beliefs that they have, I'm just like, yes. Yes. My beliefs, right? Um, rituals in Wicca often include holiday centered, holidays centered around phases of the moon, solar equinoxes, and solstices and the elements. Wicca was given the name by Gerald Gardner, considered the founder of Wicca in the 1954 book, Witchcraft Today. According to Gardner, the word was derived from Scots English and meant wise people or wise woman. I've seen it quoted as both. Um, Gardner's novel, High Magic Aid, is considered one of the first standards of Wicca, but his, his Book of Shadows, which was a collection of spells and rituals, is central to Wiccan practice. So this is also called Book of Shadows. It's not that book, though. Okay. <laughs> um, Doreen Valente, I think you've mentioned her before. Yes. Yes. She met Gardner. I have one of her books. Yes, in 1952. And under his direction, she revised the Book of Shadows for more popular consumption. Valente went on to become a prominent Wiccan advocate and scholar. Wiccans celebrate several seasonal festivals of the year known as Sabbaths. Um, like we're coming up on, um, I never know how to pronounce it, Samhain. Sawin. Sawin? Yeah, Sawin. Something like Sawin. that. Yeah. I, I have the pronunciation in my notes. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, in this book. So this book I have in my hand. I So after I was doing all this research, I'm like, whoa, like something in me kind of went, ooh, like this is something you should look into. And so I bought this book also called The Book of Shadows. Um, it's by Phyllis Carrot. I had a little bit of a fangirl moment this week because I shared – in my Instagram stories that I was reading this and she thanked me. She liked the story and she shared it on her page. And I was like, Oh my God, she is said to be the first kind of out and about witch. Um, Mm, that is so cool so this is called a modern woman's journey into the wisdom of witchcraft and the magic of the goddess. So she was, is, um, an attorney. Okay. She didn't have any, previous religion spirituality background nothing um she moved to new york and in the 70s at some point and as a young woman and um you know was trying to climb up the legal ladder and um she began to have these intuitions um things started to happen and she describes in the beginning of the book where she got up one morning she looked out the window busy downtown new york um across the street there was an ambulance you know body bag somebody going into the thing and she heard somebody's name very clearly 
later on, she leaves the apartment, um, runs into somebody else in the apartment who then says, oh, poor, whatever his wife's name was, he passed this morning, was the guy that, the voice that she heard. So things started to happen to her dream. She kept dreaming about Isis, okay, the goddess. She kept dreaming about her, right? That's my girl. Yeah. <laughs> I think you would really like this. So this is a I would too. her story of how she woke the magic within her and how she found the witches of new york um cool. and so it's her kind of biography and i think you would love it it's really good i'm not even done it and i'm already um, also adding that to my goodreads i think you would love it and it's the kind of book i think that you want to have for yourself so this yeah. is the 20th yeah. anniversary edition so it came out in 1998 um I, I just, I just love it. I think it's amazing. So she uh, just through the magic of synchronicities so here, I want to read you something in the beginning of this book. This is where I, I felt like I was, I know we're getting close to time, but I felt like, I felt like I was invested at this point. So she says, this is coming from the book of shadows by Phyllis Karat. magic. It happens to all of us seemingly out of nowhere and beyond all expectations. The extraordinary happens. Your heart's hidden longing appears something strange and unimaginable unimagined manifest you've been shown that there's more to the world yourself and your destiny than what you've been taught to believe is possible now anything is possible magic is possible we're conditioned to disbelieve and deny the reality of magic we're discouraged from seeing the cage rattling soul making world remaking power that is an essential part of who we really are negative stereotypes stand behind us sorry between us and enchantment we doubt that we're more powerful than we've we can imagine, or we fear that such power will do more harm than good. The door to our ho heart's holy wisdom to, to the realm of spirit and creation's embodied divinity has opened, but we don't enter. We turn around and get on with life as usual. The Book of Shadows is the story of what happened when I stepped through that door. Um, I don't know. As soon as I read it, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm into this book. Yeah, it speaks to me. Um, so it was through a series of synchronicities and weird connections that she found this group, the Witches of New York. She was recognized by them very soon. You know how like a witch recognizes another, right? Like I always say, like sometimes I'm doing a reading and I go, "Oh, you're one of you're one of us," and I don't mean a witch, like an intuitive, right? Like a, a, a somebody. Yeah, you feel it. You see too. You see. You can feel it, and you can see it, and I love it because she talks about a little bit of this in the in the book. But there's um, she says throughout this intro quite a few times, like why we show up in the world, why we're why we um, why we need to be public, why we need to stand in our truth, and she repeats over and over again because the world needs her witches. Like she she ends a few different paragraphs with because the world needs her witches. And I don't know, but when I read it, I was like, oh my God, yes. It's so true. Like when you think about how, like just from uh, maybe a spirit standpoint that I, you know, earth is like one of those places where we don't believe we can telepathically communicate. We don't believe we can manifest or create the change we want for ourselves. Um, we are kind of limited here in that sense, but I totally agree that I feel like the more um, people kind of hopped on the train, the higher that, you know, that energy would be raised and we would kind of have that veil a little bit thinner and maybe we would start to really see uh, you know, that magic that is within us and always has been within us. I believe it. And I, now I often have, have said something similar, um, you know, in the sense that 
in the spirit world, we can, my interpretation of, you know, communicating with spirit is that we can manifest instantly. It's like, okay, I'm going to go to Aaron and I'm going to go to Amy at the same. Okay. Yeah. I'm there. I'm going to go here. I'm there. Like I, I, this here, man, like thought creates, I think it's there from a spiritual perspective. And so at a soul level, we have that remembrance that, that we have that ability, but I think that we come to earth to remember that when we have so much to make us forget, <laughs> to cause us to forget, and that we still can manifest, thought still does create, it just takes time. It's not instant. And I think that we get, we can get frustrated, right? And we grow impatient because we're like, it's not here and I asked for it. But in hindsight, if you look back, I think eventually something comes and you're like, ah, there it is. And the more that you like, enable that like embody that magic and that belief in your life I think it begins to happen quicker and quicker and quicker well and I, I also think too like if you were to let's say if you were to do a, your own spell or if you were to do something where you you put it out there and you've asked for it right I, I have heard stories of people like asking for it and then they're like oh I don't know if I want this now it comes and you're like, oh, maybe it's not, it's not the time, right? So I always am reminded of, and I've heard this just from other witches, is that if you were to ever, if you want to ever do spell work, always put that intention out there of like, I'm asking for this, but I trust that it will come when it's meant to come. Yes, I agree. I agree. That's that relationship. So I have a quote I want to read, but first, because we were just talking about the Sabbaths, um, she's got this in the back here. I'm just going to really quickly um, run down. So it's called the Wheel of the Year. Um, so Samhain or Samhain, yeah, October 31st, New Year's Eve is the Celtic and contemporary Wiccan in the Celtic, sorry, in the Celtic and contemporary Wiccan calendar. It's the night when the veil between the world worlds is thinnest when the spirits of our ancestors are honored as they visit with us. And we got Yule, December 21st, right? Um, in bulk. Is it in bulk? I think. Oh, I don't know. I've never heard February of February 2nd means in the belly in Gaelic and is the holiday that celebrates the first evidence of the return of life. It is also the holy day of the Celtic goddess Brigid. February 2nd. Oh. Um, I don't know how to pronounce these. Auster Austera? That's Easter, right? I think our March 21st, spring or vernal equinox, the holy day when light and dark are in balance. Um, Beltane, May 1st, is also known as May Eve when celebrated the evening before and May Day when celebrated on the 1st. It's the holiday in which the young goddess and God first encounter and fall in love with each other. Because Wiccan is about honoring the God and the goddess. So this old duality, yeah, this old, um, the old religion, as it's often called, because it pre, it's said to predate Catholic, like Christian Judaism, well, it comes all from paganism, right? It's the original, um, and you know, it's interesting to see how the other religions have taken from <laughs> from the pagan. Oh, a hundred percent, and you're gonna see that too when we go into next week's episode. Uh, talk a little bit about that too. Okay, amazing. So. Um, and, and in this book also, like I'm not reading it, but she also in each um, paragraph about each thing will compare, the, will show the parallel within what we know now with the church, like the Christianity holidays and how they're the same. Um, Litha is June 21st, summer solstice. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this. Lug, Lugnasad, uh, August 1st. It's the first harvest celebration in which we give thanks for the fruits of the earth. Um, and then we've got uh, Mabin, Mabin, uh, 
please somebody tell me how to pronounce these things. Uh, September 21st, which is the autumn equinox in which the light and dark are again in perfect balance. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I love this book so much. I'm going to end with a really quick little paragraph. And then if you have anything to say, if you just want to chat about something. So it says, witches seek to live with reverence, respect, gratitude, and attention to the embodied divinity of the world within which we live and that with lives within us. The witch has always been and will always be the witch, the witcha, the wise one, the seer of the sacred, the shaman who travels between the worlds of spirit and earth and who knows that those worlds are one. Makes me emotional as I read this. I don't know why. Like, yeah. Because there's truth. I feel like you feel that truth in it. I feel the truth. I feel the truth when I read certain things. And yeah, that that's, yeah. When I started doing this research, I'm like, this is truth for me. This is truth. Amy, that was fantastic. I hope our listeners also just like felt that and felt the truth maybe in their own way. And uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. I loved that it had me reframing and questioning my own conditioning. I've been very, I feel I'm like, I'm an open-minded person. I don't have any judgments about anything, you know? And then you do this work and you're like, or this, you know, you start researching things. And you're like, obviously I have, because why would I bristle if somebody said, oh, are you a witch? Or do you practice witchcraft? And be like, no. Mm, what? Yes, I do. It's just for me, believing in the divinity of myself and in others, seeing the sacredness of everything, the interconnectivity of everything, that is, that is witchcraft. Like that's, that is what it is. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I would say that's definitely, I would think that's part of it. But yeah, like I know obviously there's spells and things like that, but those things have been so sensationalized, right? Like, yes, there are people that actually do those things, right? You see them all over. People in shops and people have Instagram accounts where they're literally doing all that stuff. But like, I don't think you need to do that stuff to be a witch. A witch is just a wise woman who who understands, what did I say? The power, her power to destroy, but also to create. Understanding and being empowered in that you create the world, your life as it is, is uh, it's manifest from you, from you, right? Like that's the power within. I think that's, a, that's what it's all about. That's self-sovereignty. And the transformation message that came up like a lot with the witch archetype. And I think that's, that's what it is too, is like realizing the working with shadow, right? Like the book of shadow, right? Like, or your own shadow, which is also a, a Jungian term of taking, taking the things that maybe um, didn't work out or you felt shame or embarrassed about and then transmuting it into something. And I think about, like we, we said untamed, the untamed woman I brought up, Glennon Doyle. Sometimes I'll refer to people, you know, like Glennon Doyle or Brene Brown or even Oprah Winfrey, these women that we look to, to like they're like vulnerability experts, right? But why? It's because they share things that aren't exactly things that we all want to share it's usually the things that we would keep inside and hidden because we're like mm, I don't want to be judged but they freely share it and then it becomes empowering and then they take the power back from that experience and they use it to help somebody else and that's the witch um that's that's the wise woman that's the the one that can transmute and alchemize something negative into something positive and helpful and beautiful yeah 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 I guess I just wanted to bring it up because I know there are people definitely out there who do practice witchcraft and it is like, uh, yeah. Um, 
but I loved it. I, I, part- I think I've talked about it on the podcast once, like I uh, participated in an open coven once and that was just like the most empowering thing ever. And it was all just about releasing. And I went there cause I went through like a bad breakup and I was like, I need to just like let this go. And it was fantastic. It was amazing. And we were, I was surrounded with a, a group of, of women, self-identified women. And we, we, it was just this beautiful moment of just coming together and, you know, putting energy out there. And we were all kind of there to release something uh, it was it was beautiful. It was fantastic. I left there. I was tired, but I was energized. It was almost like after I left a reading. It was it was fantastic. So did you feel like did you feel like you released it after? Like did you feel lighter? Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, it's the magic of community, right? And coming together as um, that's what it is. Magic, magic, coming together as a community and just releasing and sharing and being vulnerable and being human. Yes. I love it. Okay. Thanks for being here, guys. I hope you have great. a wonderful day and we'll see you next week. Bye. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast and tune in each week as we dish on all things spiritual. Don't forget to like, comment on what you would like to hear us talk about next and subscribe.